right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek John on FM 101 Win. So yesterday, Christian Bishop of Creighton, who's in the transfer portal, announced that he's down to his final three. KU is one of those three, along with Texas and North Carolina, and that he's going to announce his decision this weekend. I think he said he's going to announce it tomorrow, actually. I feel like his decision is going to go a long ways towards determining how we look at this offseason for Kansas. I don't even know if Christian Bishop will start for Kansas next year. I mean, mostly played the five at Creighton despite being 6'7". So maybe he can play a little bit of the four. He's not a stretch four, but... He shot 69% at two. He's an athlete. He's an athlete. He plays above the rim. Um... He blocked a lot of shots. And yes, he's high efficiency big man or wing, whatever you want to call him. But I'm looking at ESPN's list. I mean, Jeff Borzello did this. So when I say ESPN, it's one guy. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying anything about him, but uh, he has Christian Bishop ranked as the 13th best transfer total, not available total. If KU gets him, that's going to go a long ways towards determining whether or not you consider this to be a successful offseason. Because if you don't get him, I don't think you're getting Ty Ty Washington. You're basically having to point to guys who aren't your first option or second option, and I don't even know who else is. Um, There's the kid, David Collins, I believe is his name, from USF. I would assume he would immediately be the, the next top priority, and he's a guy that you know, isn't on these lists of top available transfers. And he's, I think, a grad transfer, right? He's been there for four years, so he'd only get one year at Kansas. I mean, just to give you a comparison, Joe Yesifu from Drake, who's already committed to Kansas, he's ranked 97th on this list. Now, I don't think that's accurate. Not that I'm the world's foremost Joseph Yesifu. I know this is unfair to do, but like, if, if he did that for... Okay, he Joe Yesifu, those last nine games to Drake this year. After the starting point guard for Drake got injured, he becomes the new starting guard, averaged 23 points, shot 47% from three in those last nine games. If he did that for 15 games instead of nine, where is he at? Is he 97th? Does he go from 97th to 63rd? I know sample size matters, but how many other guys did that? You know? How many other guys were as good as him down the stretch? But, I mean, this Christian Bishop is 12th, 13th. I think the athletic of just overall available players, which includes uncommitted recruits and guys in the transfer portal, I believe they have Christian Bishop at 12th. So he's highly regarded. And whether he starts or not, 
Like he's a guy. If he's on KU, he's going to play what? You would peg it at 20, 25 minutes a game, right? It's about right. Now I don't know if KU is going to get him. I mean, you think about it. Texas and North Carolina, even though they're going through transitions, they're going through positive transitions. In the case of Texas, you get Chris Beard, a successful coach, good recruiter. They assembled a really nice staff. In North Carolina, I'm not saying at all that Hubert Davis is an upgrade over Roy Williams, but it's a shakeup. It's a young face. It's a fresh face, and it might be an exciting time. Like Brady Manick just committed to play for North Carolina today. That's a big pickup, right? So I don't know where KU stands. I know two weeks ago everybody wanted to say that Christian Bishop was for sure coming to Kansas and that the decision was coming soon. Well, it's been two weeks, and now KU's got some really stiff competition to land this guy. Okay, if we just went like one for one, the guys you potentially could be losing to guys you'd be replacing them with. Bryce to Kyle Cuff. It's obviously downgrade, right? I don't know. How obvious is it? I don't know. Depends how high you were going to be on Bryce. Yeah, it's it's probably probably a little bit of a downgrade. Sure. But... Uh, um, I mean, in terms of like overall ceiling, yeah. But if you, if you want to do this, okay. I'm just talking for an exercise. Year. I don't want to ruin year. it. Um, yeah. yeah, I would say it's a bit of a downgrade. Marcus Garrett to Joseph Yesifu. Wash. Okay. Tristan Anaruna to uh, KJ Adams. Uh, wash. Okay. Maybe a bit of a downgrade. Uh, Latrell Giselle to Bobby Pettiford. It's an upgrade. Upgrade. Tyne Grant Foster to Zach Clements. Upgrade. Yep. Jethro Muskin into Sidney Curry. Upgrade. upgrade just because Jethro didn't play and Curry probably will. And then you're still getting Cam Martin added on as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know there's probably people who are yelling, like, well, how would I possibly put uh, Marcus Garrett to yes if it was a wash? Because Marcus, on this team, with right. this roster. It's very different. Like, Marcus Garrett might be a better player than Yesifu, but Yesifu could be more important because of what he provides, which is scoring, which the team didn't have. Um, the common denominator there is it's basically a wash maybe you could argue what you have coming in is a little bit better. But if it's basically a wash, or if it's at least close to it, with most of those guys you said, or slightly better, is this team going to all of a sudden be good enough to be a national title contender? I don't know the answer to that. Now, if you lose Ochai or Jalen Wilson, then that makes this list even tougher. And then all of a sudden, maybe it's even worse than a a wash. Maybe it's a you got worse, you know, if you lose Mm -hmm. one of those two players. But if you get both of them back and you get Christian Bishop. Now I think you are talking being one of the better teams in the country. I get it. Like Christian Bishop, I don't know what the fit would be because he can't shoot, or at least he hasn't shown he can shoot. Maybe he can, and that's just not what's been asked of him, of Creighton, because, you know, he had to play the five. But, like, I just, I I think they could use him in so many ways, even without him having to shoot. I mentioned that you could play him next to all the minutes that Cam Martin's out there. Mm -hmm. They're a perfect fit to play next to each other. You can play him in all the minutes Jalen Wilson's out there. If he's the five and Jalen's the four in those kind of small ball lineups, and he's a perfect fit for that. I mean, maybe even if if you do end up losing Jalen, then he becomes an even better fit for your team. So I think Christian Bishop definitely helps out this team, and I get it. Like, uh, we've gotten to a point where shooting is so important, and it is. But it's not like this team was efficient at shooting twos either. They were, like... Not very good at shooting twos for most of the season. Did they even end up in the top 150 in the country in two-point percentage? I don't think so. I mean, they were under 50%. And that was a far cry from 2020 when you shot nearly 55% on twos and were one of the better teams in the country at shooting twos. So you bring in a guy who can help you with that. 
that's tangible proof of something that is going to help you get better. And it does change it to me of being, maybe this is closer to a wash, hoping that Ochai and Jalen come back, to all of a sudden it feels like you won the offseason. Whether it's him or some other big-time player. Yeah, I mean, I think if you lose out on him and you don't get Ty Ty, which again, I don't think KU's getting. I mean, if you... if you, I, I can't talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Like, the idea that you don't need 12 guys who all think they're going to play 15, 20 minutes, but you do need some dudes... Like at specific positions, like KU could use a little bit of depth at that four spot, at the at the wing spot, and I think most importantly, they could really use a dynamic guard. Now, yes, if who is one of those guys, but like an ideal world, like Ty Ty Washington would come in and start next to yes, a guy who can play the point, who can be a facilitator, but also is a threat to score. Like that's best case scenario, and you can't always judge everything based off did you obtain best case scenario. The other side of it, though, for me, is like I look at it and say, if you don't get Bishop, you could almost perceive this as sort of striking out this offseason. All your top targets that you really wanted to go and get, you had to settle for somebody maybe who was the second or third option behind those guys. And maybe that's a product of what KU's going through, and it shouldn't be much of a surprise. But whether it's a surprise or not isn't really what I'm concerned about. I'm just looking at the reality of it. Like, how close is Kansas to having an offseason where we say, okay, you got some guys... How much does it really improve you for next season? Did you break even? Did you get better? You know, we started the offseason when KU was linked to um, Tyson Walker from Northeastern, who, like, again, like, I don't even know where he's at on some he's of these Michigan lists. State. No, I know where oh. he's at. Um, they have him at 31st on ESPN of top transfers. So 31st compared to 97th. And listen, I'm going to keep getting caught up on the 97 ranking for Yesifu. Like, he was a top 20 player in the country the last month of the season. So, to say that he's there, there's 96 guys better than him out there in the transfer portal. In the transfer portal. He was a top 20 player in the country over the last month, and you're saying just in the transfer portal, there's 96 guys better than him. I just, I have a hard time believing that. I got to stop bringing it up because I'm going to keep going back to that. Like, seriously, though, come on. No, I'm serious, dude. Give me a random name. He like, ranked. He, he shot forty-seven percent from three in, in the last nine games. It was like eighty-second on this list. Eighty-second. Yeah. I hope it's somebody you don't know of. Probably Matt Cross way. from Miami. Yep. Don't know him. Charlie Moore is eighty-fourth. All right. Yeah. I mean, there Charlie is, Moore is eighty-fourth. Is there a world where Yesavu is Charlie Moore two point you brought this up to me off the air, so you've been waiting to bring this one up. Well, I just, I mean, small guard who does well at another school, and then he comes to a bigger school and gets buried on the depth chart a little bit. I, I don't think it happens. The difference to me is just the athleticism. Like, that's that's where the comparisons stop to me. It's, oh, small guard who likes to score the basketball, and then it stops. Yeah. Because. How about your boy Storm Murphy from Wofford? Oh, yeah. He's 57th. Okay, bring him on. Well, it's still available. Too late. He committed to Virginia Tech. Ah, yeah. I don't. I think a lot of this has to do with recruiting rankings too. Like the guy that you asked, who was eighty second, Matt Cross, top. The first line of his of the explanation is a former top one hundred recruit. Okay, well, showed flashes of his offensive ability. Yeah, I don't know if it's fair to call the offseason a, a disappointment. I think it is what it is. I think it's probably 
uh, the clearest indicator of where Kansas is at right now that maybe we jumped the gun, or maybe I jumped the gun a little bit on declaring that the infractions case is having no impact on Kansas. Well, maybe it's having a little bit of one. It feels more like quality or quantity than quality right now. Not that there isn't quality. It feels like your bench got better, or at least maybe not better, but your bench got more ready to play, right? A lot of your bench pieces this year uh, it seemed like they still needed some development. So in that sense, your bench got better. But have the starters, have the starting lineup, did it get any better in the last offseason or last season? Well, I think if you trade, if you trade, because I don't know if, if Brown will start. But if you, again, if you just trade Yesifu for Garrett in the starting lineup, Yes, that makes Kansas better. It does? Yes. They're better offensively, but are, they're worse defensively. Again, Garrett is not a uh, Udoka as a bookie on defense. We, no. we got in this debate last year in 2020 of like, well, which player's better on defense? Well, Marcus Garrett may be better on defense, but he doesn't play the right position to be an elite defender. There's a reason why in the NBA, Defensive Player of the Year goes to the guy who leads the league in blocks every year. And then people get up in arms about, well, really? Rudy Gobert's the best defender? DeAndre Jordan's the best defender? No. But being an elite rim-protecting big man impacts a team's defense more than being an elite guard. There's less that you can do to control the game as a perimeter defender than you can as an interior defender. So, with that being said, Marcus Garrett's best attribute is being a perimeter defender. That does not impact the game as much as being a dynamic yeah. scorer. But I think, okay, let's let's assume the starting lineup would be in this situation. Uh, Yesifu, Brown, I don't know, Ochai, Jalen, and Dave? Yeah. How many good defenders are in that lineup? One? I don't care. I'm more concerned with offense, personally. I trust the fact that you're still going to have an elite defensive coach who got Kansas to look like an elite defense by the end of the year. And we can give all the credit in the world to Marcus if we want because Marcus did play really well down the stretch. I would just trust that Bill will find a way to get them to being an elite defense while also, just naturally, the players are going to take less pressure off him to improve offensively. A guy like Yesufu, if he can be like a dynamic scorer, that's going to make Christian Brown better. That's going to make Ochai better. That makes Jalen better. And it certainly makes Dave. He's going to make life easier for everyone now that Kansas has a player on offense who everybody has to account for. Now, we'll see if Yesufu ends up being that guy or if he's more of the dude who was a sixth man at Drake for most of the season, right? I but mean, I think that the intent the the intent here with bringing in Yesifu is that he is going to come in and be that dynamic scorer that you have on offense. Yeah, so what happens if he's not? What happens if he's just a good sixth man? Then it's a downgrade for Kansas. Then so Kansas team's probably worse than they were last year in that situation. Maybe, right? but I think the also in this starting lineup, sure, because that's what we're talking about here. The flip side of that is that what we just did with the exercise at the beginning of comparing one for one, you traded this guy for that guy. KU basically looked at the bench and said, if you weren't a con- we're going to go find somebody who can be. Like, you would think that Zach Clements is going to come in as a freshman and play a role. How big of a role? We'll see. Same thing for Cam Martin. Maybe Sidney Curry as well. Like, you can go back and read the quotes that Bill Self gave this week when those guys signed their name on the dotted line. He seems to be pretty bullish on Cam Martin and Sidney Curry. And I get it. It's a commitment. It's a signing day thing. So you're not going to say, like, oh, we'll see. Imagine if Bill Self said that when a guy signed and said, well, you know, we like, we're glad he signed here, but, you know, who knows? I'm not going to commit to him, you know, being a good player for us, but he's here, so that's cool. No, of course he's going to hype these dudes up. Of course he is. But I think uh, the intent is that you went out and revamped your bench, that you're going to be a little bit deeper, and the guys who are at that six, seven, eight mark on the bench are more primed to play a role immediately than Tristan and Aruna, 
and Tyon Grant Foster and those guys were. It's got to play itself out, but I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, Jesse's written about, written a bunch about this. Like, there's a reason why these advanced metrics are really high on Kansas next year. Like, you can do the the roster forecast on Bart Torvik, and they have Kansas as being a top three team in the country. Now, if Ochai and Jalen are gone, yeah, it's a different question. But I think the starting lineup has the potential to be better. We know what it would have been if you bring everybody back. Like, I, would you be bullish on KU if they ran it back with the same five starting lineup last, next year? Like, bullish in a good way or bad way? That they're going to be better. Yeah, I mean, better, sure, you bring everybody back. But, like, with we saw with Wisconsin and Iowa this year, like, yeah, they were better. I mean, you look at Ken Palm, they had better seasons this year, but were they really, like, that much better with the same personnel? Sometimes you need, there has to be tangible uh, something that goes into why you're better. It can't just be, oh, another year of experience. It has to be, no, we got better because this guy, I don't know, gained 20 pounds, or this guy got more mobile, or this guy added a jump shot. It can't just be we brought the same guys back and we're doing it another year. All right, we'll uh, we'll get to more of this coming up later on in the show. We got uh, Brandon McAnderson joining us here in about 20 minutes or so. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. This segment brought to you by Cycle Zone Power Sports. If you own a large chunk of land, you're probably always fixing things or hauling stuff around. You might be stuck using your pickup, which is overkill, or using a golf cart or small four-wheeler, which can't always get to those muddy places or carry everything you need. CycleZone Power Sports carries a line of workhorse side-by-sides called the Defender. Payloads up to 1,700 pounds, towing capacity up to 3,000 pounds, perfect for carrying everything you need. Defenders feature three- and six-person models with an optional enclosure so you can keep cool or warm in whatever weather. And even though these things pack up to 82 horsepower, they're super quiet, which means they're perfect for hunting, especially if you get it in camo. Stop by CycleZone Power Sports in North Topeka and check out the Can-Am Defenders. All right, we got Brandon McAnderson joining the show coming up here in about 15 minutes. I'm Nick Schwert. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Kind of, for, I keep forgetting that KU needs a new football coach. What if they forgot? What if just lost in the shuffle of of the new job and moving and you know shaking hands? If Travis Goff was like, "Holy crap!" You know what I forgot to do? <laughs> There's like a, a post-it. He note wakes, on he, his he wakes up in the middle of the night and is like, "Honey, what's wrong?" <laughs> In just a cold sweat. I completely forgot. And then my boss is going to kill me. I'd imagine, what, we got another week or two? What is it, April 16th? Does, does KU have a new coach by the end of April? Maybe. If I said Why the, would I have any insight? I don't know. I would say... Okay, so the reports yesterday... Yeah. Were that Travis Goff emailed the donors and said he's starting his national search for a new coach and that Emmett Jones is still a candidate. When's the spring football game? Is that still a thing? Is that still a thing? Yes, it's still a thing. Um Did he happen? No, uh, they just announced. I thought usually it already happened by now, I guess. I think it usually did happen. Okay, except for May 1st. They'll have, they'll have a coach by the spring game, right? I mean, if you're going to hire somebody else and not leave it to Emma Jones, then you need to hire somebody before the spring game. That's two weeks. Not Yeah, they don't have to necessarily be the guy running the spring game, but at least they can come in for the spring game and like watch it and evaluate the talent. What if they don't like it? 
if they don't like the talent. I mean, yeah. that's probably likely. But what if that's enough for them to say, "Oh, I didn't think it was. Th- I didn't realize it was this bad." No, Never mind. I mean, there's enough really talented players on this roster, dude. I- okay, so I don't think Emma Jones is going to get the job. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a, lo- a little bit of that is placating. Because if you come out today and say there's no way we're we're considering him, then you've you've completely disregarded the opinions of the players, and maybe you internally already have disregarded the opinions of the players, but you can't say that, right? You can't state that publicly. Right now, you're placating and saying, okay, yes, we need to. Well, I love the job that Emma Jones has done, and and maybe there's some sincerity to it, but I still don't think they're getting the job. Now, the names um, that have been Circulating the most, Lance Leipold, which I learned it was Leipold today. Jesse Newell tweeted that out. Spelled Leopold. I think they're pronouncing it wrong. Well, if you want to get on that, I will jump on it with you, but only if you jump on with me the Kyle Cuffy instead of Kyle Cuff train. No, because Kyle, I think silent E's are a real thing, but something that's spelled L-E-I should be pronounced Leah, not lie. I'm trying to think of other words that start like that. Andy, I've seen that name a million times, and it's pronounced Leopold. Like, it's almost like Silvio de Sosa's last name being pronounced de Sosa. It's like, but it's OU. That's Sousa. <laughs> like, nope. Like, Christian Brown. Right, that's that's he, Braun. That's Braun, yeah, dude. If he gets the job, will you ask him? And I, I don't no, want you to just no. ask him. I want you to confront him about it. No. Confront him? Yeah. Like, in a hostile manner? Yes. What do you want me to do? Charge the stage? Yeah. Grab him by the shirt collar. Who do you think you are? Huh? Huh? That's got to be awkward for Emmett Jones if somebody else comes in. Like, you had the support of the team, and then they're like, nope, actually back to assistant coach. And honestly, oh, you know how you were uh, Mike DeBoard's boss and and uh, Josh Urkel's boss? Well, now you're back to the old position. Mm-hmm. Like, does, this, does him being the interim head coach, is that enough to get him a promotion from the next be, coach? At least a money promote, like a raise. You know, it might not be a promotion and title, but like at that point, yeah, you got to pay me more. Otherwise, I'm leaving. He's not going to leave in the middle of the spring, is he? You wouldn't think so, but if somebody takes the Kansas job, they would have left in the spring. Yeah, okay, okay. I don't know. I mean, that's just got to be so awkward. Yeah, of course. I mean, I guess that's the name of the game. Like, that's the business. But, uh,. That'd just be such a crappy situation to find yourself in. Sure it would, but don't you think it's the same for guys who and then uh, it's, go and then, from being a head coach and then get fired and then end up being yeah, a receiver's coach somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, but that's a different spot. It's a different – if you're you're moving places, to go to a different program. Like in the in the case of Emmett Jones, the, like the only way it works for him to stick around on staff, and I'm not saying at all that he wouldn't be, but like the only way it would work is if he is 100% game. And he's not going to be like resentful because if that's the case, then the next guy is going to be awkward. Whenever it's like, oh, I'm your new dad, you know what I mean? It's like I'm not going to call you dad. It's like, well, you know, we have to work something out here because your mom and I are in love. He's like, no, I was the man of the house. My dad, my real dad, left me. Yeah. Okay. This is getting dark. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. It's making me uncomfortable. Lance Leopold. Jeff Munkin and Willie Fritz. Those are the names. Kiss, Mary Kill. You know what would be the best thing that Travis Goff could do? The best thing he could do? Maybe not for his job security, but for nailing this, is don't listen to the donors. 
The donors are the ones that didn't want Travis. This is so this this is what cracks me up is that people who think they're in the know will tell you that, well, it's the donors who are making the decisions, and they're not wrong. But the problem with that is it almost implies that that's the way it sh- it should be. Like, they're calling the shots. What they know, what they say goes. Not really. I mean, they before the search committee showed up, let's get it, let's get it straight here. This is what the donors were suggesting, that KU should go out and hire Danny Manning or Banks Floodman to be the AD. Neither one of those guys were even candidates once the search committee got involved. So let's so let's continue blindly following the donors and who they like because that's worked. I would love to go back through the last decade of Kansas football and Kansas athletics decisions and find out just how much say they had because I would hope it's very little. Otherwise, like the donors should be firing themselves and just say, hey, we've screwed this up a lot. I know we like to point fingers and say that it's so-and-so making these decisions, but like honestly, we were behind this and we were behind that. Again, like whenever a guy gets fired and they're like, oh, we got to convince the donors to give them more money because they're not happy with the last one. Well, okay. How much say have they had in any of these decisions? That's what good owners, that's what good donors do. That's what good owners do of sports teams. You know what they do? They provide the money and they let they get they let the GM come in and make decisions and they defer. The owners who are overarching tend to be the ones who run franchises that don't operate at a high level. Because that's not your forte. You know what your forte is? Being rich. Having money and giving up money. Now, if you don't want to be a donor, then don't be a donor. Right? Nobody's making you do it. But you like it. You like having sway and you like having pull and you like having power and you like going to these exclusive events and hobnobbing with important people at the university. But know what your forte is. You know what your expertise is not? Is hiring people. Is is finding the guy who's the right AD. Because if, if, that, if, if you were hiring people, Danny Manning would be the one conducting a national search right now. Danny Manning, legend, probably shouldn't be an athletic director. And his only qualifications for being an athletic director was that he got fired from Wake Forest. Right? Because if he was still the coach at Wake Forest, would people have been saying, let's go pluck him from Wake Forest to come be our AD? What? He's he's unemployed and you guys know his name and he's somebody you'd be comfortable giving money to? Listen, I don't know who Travis Goff has set out to get. Again, the same names have been brought up for weeks and months now, over a month now. And honestly, I'd be happy with Munkin or Fritz or Leipold. No, kiss, Mary kill. <sighs> On the spot. Mm. Kiss, Fritz, Mary Munkin, and kill Leipold. Oh, Yeah. Pulling this audio if Leipold gets... Well, it sounds like, I mean, according to Twitter and the message boards, Leipold's going to be the guy. But, like, are the message boards being swayed by donors, too? Is Twitter being swayed by donors? Because that's what... Let, let, let me tell you this right now. Let me tell you this right now. The next person who DMs me and tells me this is what the donors are saying, you're getting blocked. Because <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to DM you right now. Brandon McAnderson's going to join the show coming up next. We'll get his thoughts on this national search for KU's next football coach. This episode is brought to you by Tommy's Express Car Wash. Join the Tommy Club. You can download the Tommy Club app and enjoy endless washing for one low price, Derek. That means unlimited car washes, 
Unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane, which, by the way, I've taken advantage of. It's kind of like the the express lane on the highway. You don't necessarily like to lord over everybody else, but when you're zooming through and getting in to get your car washed first, like that's why it's called Tommy's Express, right? You get unlimited access to all their locations, unlimited guest service, and perhaps most importantly, unlimited happiness, Derek. And I think that's something that we just don't emphasize nearly enough in life. I'm looking at your car right now. I'm thinking it could maybe use a trip to Tommy's Express. What do you got going on later? Thinking maybe you should stop there on your way home. You going to at least consider it? I will absolutely be going to Tommy's Express Car Wash. Now, the, the outside of your car, the exterior, it does look okay. Where my concern begins is the interior of your car. Yeah. When you have I, a, I don't a think dog. I don't think the inside of that car has seen a deep cleaning in quite some time. No, when you have a dog, when you have a golden retriever, you got hair everywhere. And they have those vacuums that, you know, it's going to get out for you. So, yeah, I'm definitely making an appointment. Tommy's Express Car Wash. What I love about the, the vacuums at Tommy's Express, the cord comes down from the top. So, you're not having to try and wrap it around your car and getting yourself into a pretzel. No, very flexible vacuums. You want to go to the left side of the car, the right side of your car. You're perfectly good. Tommy's Express Car Wash. Wash, rinse, repeat. KU Spring Game on May 1st. So that's two weeks from tomorrow. Reports came out yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, that Travis Goff sent a a letter to the donors telling them that he is embarking on a national coaching search. It's like the beginning of some sort of movie, like a road trip movie, right? Like, guys, I'm leaving. I'm not coming back until I have a coach with me. I don't know if that's exactly how these searches work. He did say that Emma Jones is still a candidate. I don't know how long this process is going to take. Let's talk about it with Brandon McAnderson, Jayhawk Radio Network, former Kansas running back. BMAC, do you think Travis Goff will have named a permanent head coach by that spring game in two weeks? I'm not sure, but what it reminds me of is a superhero movie when you're assembling like an all-star yeah, cast. There we that's, go. What I, that's what I would go with. The road trip movie. I don't know what kind of movies you watch. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. But my, by May 1st, um, I think is a bit of a stretch. And I do think it's good that they'll have uh, a full spring of film from some good young players that they can truly evaluate. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what the plan is overall. He's just keeping us you know, keeping the fan base, keeping the donors informed on what the process is, and I appreciate him for that. And he's a guy I look at last, like a lot of new ADs. Um, but I think he's going about it the right way thus far in terms of having a collaborative environment and, and, and being patient. How much how much say do the donors have in this process? Like, I don't know how much you know specifically, but like when these, like when this whole thing began over a month ago, Right, there were names being floated out there. One of your former teammates, Banks Floodman, Danny Manning, as potential AD candidates. Obviously, those guys weren't candidates in the end, at least that we know of. Like when it comes to coaching surges, is this all Travis Goff's decision? Like, how do you kind of see this playing out? So I kind of see it almost playing out the way they did the AD search, where you have these information sources that are very important, um, but ultimately one guy is going to be making a decision. That was a chancellor before. It's the athletic director in this instance. What I'll say about donors and their impact on it is they do have an impact, especially for a team that, for a university that's playing as much as this one is in buyouts. 
Um, so that money is going to come from those people. So not only do you have to keep them informed, you have to listen to them uh, because they'll have a, a say in the financial part of what this ends up becoming. Um, that's usually why they get the information first in the beginning. Uh, but you can't do everything that they want to do. You just got to hear them. And I think that uh, he's he's gone about that the right way. And I think they'll have an they'll have an impact in terms of what their input is on how they want to spend their money because it is their money. Um, so it's it they have an impact more than I thought uh, before. I was more familiar with the process, uh, but they'll they're as much of an information source as a committee or anything like that. Now he did say Travis Goff Day at least in his letter to donors that Emma Jones is is still a candidate. I was just we were just talking in the last segment. If if Emma Jones doesn't get the job, w- would that not be sort of awkward to kind of to be to, in a position, a good position where you're the interim head coach for a period of time? You you have the support of your players. You 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 hear the support publicly from your new boss in Travis Goff. Yet if you go out and you make this outside hire and you're in a sense kind of reverted back to your old position, would that not be sort of a weird? situation for for Emma Jones to find himself in I think football is just weird in general <laughs> you know I think it, it just reminds me of the the Trevor Lawrence uh comment where he's like yeah I'm not going to pretend that I have a chip on my shoulder and everybody's like oh my god you know so this is another <laughs> circumstance where like it, what he's going through is so unique to college football and the experience that that football's you know gives you that it'll probably be somewhat normal for him to transition into a role on the staff or to transition into a role on another staff if he doesn't get the job. So I don't think it'll be awkward for him because he's a professional. And I think he's been in enough situations where this is just kind of how this goes. These, these college football situations year to year are very dynamic. That's just part of the job. So I think they'll be, he'll be able to pivot and adjust. And I just think he's an asset no matter what happens. So he's someone they're going to try to keep regardless of what the final decision is. And ultimately saying, I'm going to start a national search, you know, there's all kinds of elements we don't know about. We haven't even talked about the finances. You know, what if what if they're not at a, in a position to offer finances to the level that some of these candidates want? Uh, what happens then? Is it can he go back to saying it looks like Emma Jones will finish the season? So there, you know, there's there's still the door still open to every outcome that was open before. Um, he's just keeping people informed uh, at a point where more than he has to but also because of some of the past issues with transparency in that athletic department. So I think he's doing the right thing and keeping everybody informed, and that may not change from the decision that we're already expecting. Do you, I mean, do you have any sort of preference at this point? We've heard the names now for weeks, and honestly, ever since Les Miles left, what was that, five weeks ago, six weeks ago now? Um, it, it's sort of been the same group of names. Lance Leipold at Buffalo, uh, Willie Fritz at Tulane. Jeff Munkin at Army. That those that list hasn't changed. Maybe it has internally, but publicly, like that, all we know is that those are still sort of the same names that are circulating. Do you gravitate towards any one of them? Do you feel like there is a, a specific, you know, type of resume or set of characteristics that would lend itself to this job more than another? No, I have no idea what works and what doesn't work. You know, like we, you know, Kansas has had success in the, the, you know, the high, high highs and the low lows consistently, and the personalities are different, the backgrounds are different, where they come from are different, uh, their recruiting base is different, their style of play is different. So we can't attribute one thing and say this definitely will work. So in that regard, you know, I can't say that I'm an expert about something I just possibly couldn't be an expert at. 
As far as the head coaching seeing the same group of names, I think that's more to do with the timeline. When you have when you're this late in the game, if you finish spring ball May first, that means that between May first and fall camp, there will be no coaching FaceTime by that head coach. There's no opportunity to have FaceTime actually coaching football strategy, plays, practice, none of that. In the summer, you can't do any of that. You have, uh, you know, you have seven on seven twice a week where, and seven on seven is just like show passing um, to where you, you can get instructions um, like paper or maybe if they're distributing on iPads or something like that to what they want to put in and what kind of route tree they're running. But that's no hands-on coaching opportunity. Um, so I think that the candidates that have made themselves known have publicly made themselves unknown. That's why everybody knows who they are. So I think that's what makes it unique is that this coaching search is so late that the people that have made themselves known are doing that on purpose. They want the opportunity, and they're not uh, discouraged by the timeline. Um, so I think that's why we've only heard the same two or three names. Yeah, I wonder how I mean, how big of a net do you think that he's really casting here? Do you, do you feel like at this point when you embark on a coaching search, like does that – does it tell you that he has it whittled down to like a crop of names, or do you really think that there are, you know, maybe you know I don't know what the number would be, but how big of a search do you expect him to sort of embark on? I expected I expected to cast the net as wide as possible because there's just so many unknowns. I mean, you can say what you want about you know uh, getting an established guy or a guy that's won and you know you've seen the Leipold and the uh, Monk and all the numbers about their success and how it was unprecedented before they arrived so these are definitely qualified candidates I think they have made themselves available for this opportunity because the timeline doesn't discourage them at all that does not mean that golf has narrowed his search on to just those people I just think that you know the way it's been reported those guys are publicly saying I'm interested that doesn't mean that golf hasn't reached out to other people. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have someone else in mind. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have a timeline in mind. You know, I think he's gone about this the right way. He's been very balanced and, and open and honest about his pursuit of it. But I think he can cast net as wide as he wants to. I just think it's a unique, it's a unique time frame. So if you're an up and coming coach, like let's say a Seth Latrell at North Texas, you don't want to take it. You know, when you've not had a major job, you don't want to take a job where you're not going to have an opportunity to coach the players before all camp. But Munkin, uh, Fritz, and Leipold are guys that are later in their career. So they don't see this as as big of a risk, especially for a guy like Leipold that's just literally grinded all the way to the top. A guy like Fritz grinded all the way to the top. They're probably looking at it more like, on my timeline, I need the opportunity. It doesn't matter when it is. But if you're looking at a young, young and up-and-comer, they may be more reluctant to enter in a situation where this is how they will be labeled for the rest of their career. Someone that may not have had success somewhere or came into difficult circumstances. Nobody cares about the specifics. They just look at the win-loss record. So I think that's part of why you're seeing veteran accomplished coaches saying, yeah, I want the job and why you're hearing the same group of names. But like I said, golf may have a, you know, a whole wide range of things that he's looking at. Isn't it a little funny? I don't necessarily mean this as a bad thing. Maybe it's a bad thing, an indictment on the previous hires. But like, just going back to the last mile, sorry, like Willie Fritz and Jeff Munkin were names that were tossed out there then. And that's got to be a weird position. And first off, for those coaches to say, dude, I was interested two years ago, and you guys chose somebody else. Like, of course, I'm still interested. I don't really know what that says about where KU's at, but 
it, I just find it a little bit fascinating that some of the same names are popping up year after year as guys who could potentially turn this around. And now knowing that they are legitimate finalists this time and there's not going to be this sort of curveball come out of nowhere like Les Miles was, I view it as a positive thing overall. Yeah, I do as well. And I, like I said, we talk about football context. Outside in the real world, football does not make a lot of sense, especially some of these jobs. Like, okay, well, you turned me down for a candidate and ended up being much worse than what I believe I could have done, and I still want the opportunity. However, that's not going to deter him because there's so few of these jobs. And like, how many realistic opportunities is any coach going to have to coach in the Big 12 to be a viable candidate? Um, it's kind of like one of those things where if I don't take it, what's to say I will ever get the opportunity? So I think that is kind of why this is such a, you know, it's not unique just because it's Kansas. I think the timeline is what makes it most unique, the opportunity to coach in the Big 12, to, be, to run a major program. I think those things are still appealing. I just think there's a there's obvious challenges that might eliminate some of these candidates. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how golf navigates, uh, who wants it, when they want it, what the timeline is, what are the challenges going to be. I think it's all super complicated. Yeah, I do too, and I wonder too. Like, you've sort of downplayed maybe the the impact that external things, and maybe this isn't external. I mean, it's a head coach, but the impact that it has on players. I know we talked about this, you know, in years past over various things. But I, if you're a player on this team right now, like how how closely are you following this? How much is this impacting your day to day life as a Kansas football player? I would say not as much as you think. Now, I never went in, into a regime change. I played for Mancino the whole time. But what I do remember as a football player is that the, you are so busy, I mean, doing football stuff day to day, day to day, that most of the time that you have free, you're enjoying your personal life, whether that be with friends, a girlfriend, you know, playing video games, whatever the case may be. You just don't spend as much time on the outer world as you would think. I think that once you become a professional athlete, that's different. But as a, as a college athlete, you're, you're just chock full of, your schedule's chock full. So I don't know how much attention you pay to that. Now, the caveat would be that that rule is allowing people to transfer and not have, uh, have to sit out, you know, having that one, one year transfer thing. I think that is going to be appealing if they hire a new head coach. And you can't blame kids for wanting to explore that, especially if you're on the fence about it especially if you've had a good performance here and you're not sure where you'll fit in the next scheme. Those are all legitimate concerns that I don't think they are having right now, but I do think they'll have to think about those things, especially if a coach is named, you know, towards the end of that year. They might say, look, I had a good spring. I don't know where I fit and what this next head coach is going to be doing. I get a, a one-year transfer, get out of jail free card, I'm out. And if that happens, you just got to deal with it because it's the kids need that kind of freedom. They need the, ch- the chance to make opportunities that they feel are best for them. So I think it's, like I said, complicated for those guys, but not as in your face as you would think for us. You know, like we're following it day by day. We're curious. They're more worried about the work that's in front of them. He's Brandon McAnderson, Jayhawk Radio Network, former Kansas running back, Orange Bowl champ. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for the time today. Thanks for having me. Alrighty, that is Brandon McAnderson with us here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Dude, this is kind of weird, right? Like, if I'm Jeff Munkin, I'm saying like, yeah, of course, yeah, I'm interested. I was interested then too. And if you would have hired me then, you'd be better off than you are now. 
I guess, but you can't like it's a different idea. I'm not now, saying I'm know? holding it against them. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm it's just a saying guy. it's got to be an it's got to be an interesting spot for a guy who's is having success at the spot he's at to say, dude, you guys suck, and you guys hired the wrong guy last time. Like I was the right guy then, I'm the right guy now. You're Kansas football. Like just hire me already. I'm begging you. If I'm Willie Fritz, I'm saying, what do I gotta do? You have clearly an upgrade over everybody that you've hired over the last decade, yet you're still sort of on the fence. And yeah, I honestly, I believe this. Oh, here's here's what I'll say definitively. I don't have, I agree with BMAC. I don't have leanings any which way over any three of these guys. And I feel like the people who do feel very passionately about one of them over the other, like, it's like betting $100 on the Super Bowl coin toss. Like, you might be right. Like, that's all it is. It's either that was the right hire or the wrong hire. You know? So to, to go out there and say, no, I it has to be Jeff Munkin. Okay. Like, maybe it'll work. What maybe do you mean? Won't. You killed Lance Leipold. Uh, you yeah. killed him. That's on record. Yeah, that's on me, too. That's on me. Should have just married them all. That wasn't an option. Or kissed them all, I guess, is what you're saying? I'm just saying, like, I think all three of them have their own unique qualifications, and they would all be upgrades over the previous regime, the previous head coach. I also think it's nearly impossible to make an impassioned argument for one of them over the other. That's a good place to be. So, Travis Goff, you can't screw it up. You hire any three of them, Kansas fans are going to be happy, and the program will probably be in better hands than it was over the last couple years. All right, he's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Quick shout out to all of our sponsors, RCST Trivia, 23rd Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros, and the Lawrence Public Library. Our first matchup today brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Open for dine-in, carry-out, and catering. Outdoor patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese. The Haney Turkey Stack or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crowlers. Interesting little nugget that we uh, pulled up yesterday. The higher-seeded matchups, the higher-seeded opponents in these matchups so far are 10-4. and four. So I don't know if that's a credit to the selection committee, if this is just going to be sort of a, a chalky first round of RCST trivia. But we'll find out today as we've got four more matchups Coming your way here in the first round of RCST Trivia in the first week of the first round. And our first one for today, coming to us from the East region, we've got the 5-12 matchup between Dylan Davis and Spencer Qualls. Let's get to meet our competitors here in this first matchup. Dylan, a RCST veteran from a season ago, drew a five seed this year. Dylan, how do you feel like you got treated by the selection committee? You feel like a five seed is fair? Yeah, after the results that happened last year, which I appreciate Derek shouting out that I was the only one to lose twice. So thank you for that, Derek. Um, <laughs> after those results, yeah, I, I think a five seed is probably pretty appropriate. Uh, do you feel uh, do you feel like the experience last year is going to help you, assist you at all this time around? Yeah, a little bit. I know it's kind of a different format, and this is more KU Big 12 focused than last year. I think both the questions I got wrong last year were non-KU questions, so... I would hope so, but it's a little different format this year, so we'll see. All right, well, uh, the guy you're going to be faced against today is a newcomer, the 12 seed in the East region, Spencer, joining us now, making his RCST trivia debut. Spencer, how are you feeling here ahead of your first matchup? I'm feeling good, but really no clue what to expect, to be honest. <laughs> no clue what to expect. So have you heard any no. of RCST trivia so far? 
Um, I've listened to like a little bit, but kind of just going in the dark here. Okay. Um, so with that being said, do you feel like your natural abilities will be able to shine through? I mean, how would you kind of uh, describe your KU knowledge? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I would say I have a lot of KU knowledge, but, um, you know, I, I know Dylan's probably a pretty smart guy too, so we'll see who the victor is. Great sportsmanship there. Appreciate that, Spencer. All right, Dylan, Spencer, uh, before we get going, I'm going to go through just uh, some quick formatting. I know you guys kind of know the rules by now, but we're going to be asking you guys a series of questions going back and forth until we have a winner. You have 30 seconds to answer, and your timer will start as soon as I get done asking that question. Something I threw out there yesterday to some people, and I want to just go ahead and say that again for you guys today. Um, if you want to ask me to clarify, if you want me to, to repeat the question, I will. I'm not going to do it unless you guys ask. I don't want to talk while you guys are trying to think through it. So um, if you need clarification, just ask me. I'll ask the question again. That doesn't reset your timer, but if you think that's helpful, uh, go for it. Uh, you will get a five-second warning. When you get when you hear this ticking sound, you're going to have five seconds left on the clock. Just be sure to start your answer before you hear... Eric Collins, yell-o. All right, guys. Spencer, you are the 12 seed, so I'll give you the option of answering first or second. I'll go first. That's fine. All right. Here we go. First <laughs> matchup of the day. RCST Trivia Friday edition. Spencer, here's your first question. What jersey number did Devontae Graham wear for Kansas? Four. Four is correct. Dylan, your first question. What jersey number did Frank Mason wear for Kansas? Zero. That is correct. All right, Spencer, back to you for question number two. Spencer, name a KU player to wear the number one at Kansas. Wayne Selden. Wayne Selden is an acceptable answer. Dylan, name a KU player to wear the number 10. Strong Collins. Oh, no. That is incorrect. Sharon Collins wore the number four during oh, his time at Kansas. Uh, Tyshawn Taylor, one of his teammates, wore 10. Tyshawn. Yeah, Tyshawn, um, Svi, Svi Mikhailu, Tark Black, uh, Kirk Heinrich, any of those would have been acceptable answers. Um, so we've got uh, our winner, Spencer, moving on. Spencer, how's it feel to get the win here in your RCST trivia debut? Um, honestly, wasn't exactly thinking I would get a win today, but hey, win's a win. So, Yeah, win is a win. Dylan, I know that's probably a tough pill to swallow. I heard the groan, the audible groan, which I always, I can tell that's when somebody knew immediately that, oh yeah, I just screwed that up. How, how, how did it feel here in the immediate aftermath? Yeah, I probably could have just taken some more time to think about it. And now that we have the 30 seconds. So, I mean, the research that I did was more on, you know, stats and season results, not jersey numbers. So that's probably something I wasn't on my radar, but it happens. It does. You know, winning feels great because losing feels pretty crappy. But nonetheless, that's why you guys come to, to play an RCST trivia. You got that competitive fire. And uh, Spencer, it's paying off. Dylan, we appreciate you guys. Um, thanks for starting us off today with the first matchup. Yeah. Good luck, Spencer. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So we got an upset. 12 seed Spencer toppling the five seed Dylan in the first round. We just said, what was it? 10 and four for higher seeds. Now it's yeah. uh, 10 and five. Every good tournament has to have a 12 seed upset of five, right? Yeah. And it's always the 12 seeds that, you know, there's always the sexy picks before the tournament begins. And those ones never end up hitting. Hmm. 
where if if every single pundit is on the, this specific 12 seed, pick pick the 12 seed that nobody's picking. Like, go bet on Oral Roberts. I know that's a 15 seed, but go bet on the team that nobody is given a chance to. And that's how it worked out. Like, UCLA, 11 seed. Nobody was picking. People had Michigan State beating UCLA. And, you know, the thing with Spencer now is he is a hidden gem, right? Like, we don't know because he won on the second question, yeah. you know? That was just a trip up from Dylan. We don't know now. Like, is, is Spencer a 12 seed to be reckoned with? Like, is, yeah. is Spencer somebody who can go on a Final Four run? Or... Did Spencer just kind of get lucky getting through the first round, you know? Do you think the jersey number questions are t- are trickier than they seem? Um, Yes and no. I, I mean, certain jersey numbers. Like, if I were to ask you, name a KU player to wear, like, 36, like, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a clue. But I, I think I there's certain think jersey one. numbers where it sticks in your head. Like, number 10, that's a number worn by a lot of people. Like, Nadir Tharp, Svee Mikhailuk, Tyshawn Taylor. Tyshawn was an All-American. Kirk Heinrich was I an All-American. Went, I would have went Kirk or you know? Tyshawn, probably. Um, you could even go with some obscure ones like, uh, shoot, I, I don't know. Did Elijah Johnson ever wear ten, or did he always wear fifteen? No, you're thinking know. of you're thinking that Tyshawn went from fifteen That's his right. freshman year to, to ten. I think for me it was more about like ten may not be, ten's pretty easy. I think. I mean, Kirk and Tyshawn immediately come to mind. Four though, like you know, Sharon wore four, mm-hmm. you know. And that was it. I think, and that's what I, I mean. When he said Tyshawn, or when he said Sharon, when Dylan said Sharon, I immediately assumed that he was thinking of Tyshawn because they played together. But he said, you know, I probably could have taken more time. Well, also, you could have picked the guy seconds. who wore 10 on this year's team. I mean, that would have worked too. Who was that? Jalen Wilson. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't have gotten that. It's just another option. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Um, Tough yeah, end. The, tough end. It's a tough. It's tough. Like I, I almost feel worse for the guys who get the questions wrong that they know they shouldn't. Yes. You know, because it's like you knew that answer, or right. you knew that that answer wasn't right. Like the round that we had with uh, Isaac and Dylan, where it's the fourth round, and we're asking questions about 1958. Yeah, that one is just like, just like you know it or you don't. You know, mm-hmm. like these ones, you knew the answer. Yeah. I'm sure if we asked him that again, you know. We took this away from it's like we missing gave the a, men in black. Like, well, it's laser. like missing a game tying layup. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you've done this a million times. For whatever reason, this one just didn't work in your favor. So, I mean, that's the volatility of RCST trivia, and we'll find out if we got the 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 best team. Right? We always say that it's the funnest way to find out a champion. It's maybe not the best way to find out who the best team is. We'll find out. Is Spencer the best competitor? You know, he's going to have somebody in the second round who. He's going to put that to the test. So, RCST Trivia, already off to a roaring start. We've got three more matchups coming your way today. RCST Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and taproom located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers, and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath apparel and beer at tgbrews.com. All right, matchup number two today for RCST Trivia. We got a last-minute addition here in this matchup uh, in the 215. John Self, RCST newcomer, as the 15 seed, will be taking on a guy who answered the back call at the last second, filling in here as the two seed. He went to the Sweet 16 a year ago. Uh, Skyler Johnson. John, 
Skyler, thank you for joining us. John, let's get with you first, man. I know you're new to RCST Trivia. Um, I'm, I'm looking at you through the Zoom here. You're, you're rocking Broncos gear. You said you're coming to us live from Wichita. So what is your connection to KU basketball? Uh, it was just uh, the family team growing up. And so I've liked them since probably like 91, 93. Or, well, Danny and the Miracles. I was actually an OU fan. I cried after that game. <laughs> and then uh, my family pretty much yelled at me a lot. Okay. And so that was the last time I rooted against them. It's probably a good call. Good call. Huh. Well, you're going to be taking on uh, the two seed. Who yeah, made I it... think I made the right decision. Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. Uh, your matchup today, Skyler, who was the two seed, wasn't even in the original field, but um, we had a, a late minute substitution. Skyler answered the call. So I would assume, Skyler, because you didn't know until a few minutes ago that you were going to even be participating in RCST trivia, that uh, your research has been kept to a minimum. Would that be accurate? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I like to think I know a little bit about KU, but uh, yeah, I haven't done any research, so we'll see how it goes. All right, guys. Well, um, I went over with the rules with you guys off the air, so I think we're good to go there. Um, John, you're the 15 seed. You're the underdog. You're the newcomer, yep. which means you okay. have the option of answering first or answering second. Which do you choose? Uh, let's go second. All right, so, Skyler, the first question now is for you. Who is KU's all-time leading scorer by total points scored? Uh, there's two that come to mind. Dang it, I feel like this is wrong. Um, I want to ask for a question, but that'd be giving too much. There's two, there's two in my mind. Uh, Rafe LaFrance. Just for curiosity's sake, what would have been the other answer, Skyler? Danny Manning. Danny Manning is the correct answer. 2,951 points scored. I believe Rafe is top five. I think Nick Collison is number two on that list. So that's a tough one. Yeah, Danny Manning. Um, by a long shot, by the way. Just letting you know. Um, so, John, if you get this right, you're moving on to the second round. John, okay. what Jayhawk forward played for Kansas in the 90s? and was eventually a part of the big three for the Boston Celtics. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is correct. And one question is all it took for us to get our winner for this matchup. I want to talk to you first, Skyler, because uh, I know you were going through the deliberation in your head. Immediate aftermath, take me through the, the emotions that are sort of running through your body right now. Uh, I'm more curious about curing this hangover, to be honest. <laughs> oh, man, that's, God, that's terrible. Yeah, Danny Manning was the only other one I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Danny Manning has it by, I think, almost 900 points, so it's a pretty pretty significant margin there. Um, John, it didn't take much digging. I'm, I'm, yeah. You got one answer, and you're moving on to the next round. How's it feel? Perfect. Short and sweet. <laughs> Short and sweet to the point. All right. There's something about Fridays, man. We got people tripping up early in these rounds. I don't know if it's a hangover or if it's uh, nerves, but something playing a factor here into these matchups. I feel bad. Skyler, no, no. 
Skyler no answered the call at the last. I, I, I can't believe I didn't say Danny Manning. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people listening, Skyler, who are probably feeling the same way. But uh, you know, I give you credit, man, because uh, you were a last minute, like literally last minute, not like an hour, not like a day, <laughs> last minute addition. So we appreciate you hopping on and uh, filling the void here in RCST trivia. You won't be forgotten, my man. Yes, sir. Thank you, and good luck to uh, my opponent, <laughs> John. That would be Thanks, you. Man. Appreciate it. Congratulations. We'll see you in the next round. Thanks. Uh, Appreciate it. Man, another early, early end to an RCST trivia matchup today. That's two in a row to start the day off. Um, and that was a really easy question. Now, you could debate, was that really easy? Was did Were you sitting there listening to it, thinking about it? Maybe you were, maybe you weren't. But I would tell you this. Um, Danny Manning is first all-time in scoring at 2,951 points in his career. Second place is Nick Collison at 2,097. So you're talking about almost 900 points difference. And to just put that into perspective, the difference between number one and number two, the difference between Danny Manning and Nick Collison, number one and two, is the difference between number two, Nick Collison, and number four, 46, LeGerald Vick. <laughs> so, I mean, you're talking about a massive, massive gap yeah. between number one and number two. Everybody knows Danny Manning. And you know what? Just, if you don't know something, guess one of two names. Danny Manning or Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, honestly. Wilt is a little misleading because he only played for two years. So, if you're looking at like the, yeah, the, not counting, the, total ones. the counting stats. Yeah. But Wilt on that list, I think it's actually pretty impressive. He's 26th and he only played... Two seasons. He's 26 all-time in scoring at 1,433. He is, he's directly behind Brandon Rush, who played for three years. So, yeah, 48 games for Wilt Chamberlain to get up there. But, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's tough. John, I mean, he said it perfectly, short and sweet, on to the next round. Sometimes you, sometimes you like to be tested in the first round and sort of prove that you've got the medal. And sometimes it's nice to just have a blowout victory, which Absolutely. is what that was. Especially if you're a 15 seed. And uh, we never got to the bottom if he is related at all to Bill Self. We'll, we'll have more time for that next week. But I'll tell you what. I give. I don't want to pile it on Skyler too much because, I mean, literally, I called him two minutes. We had a last-minute edition. I was calling. We had the numbers for all the people who were in it last year. Uh, and his Skyler was somebody who was initially in, then was out. And I asked him, hey, man, we need somebody. He he called the, he answered the back call and yeah, uh, respect. I respect him for, you know, I respect him for being a part of the trivia. I don't respect <laughs> the answer that he gave, but uh, nonetheless, thank you very much for being a part of it, Skyler John. Congrats! And now uh, we'll get ready for the last two matchups here today in uh, our first week of RCST trivia. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Talk and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Sporting Kansas City. MLS is back after finishing at the top of the Western Conference last season. Sporting Kansas City is ready to take the field and paint the wall this year. And if you haven't heard, Sporting Kansas City will be welcoming a limited capacity crowd again this season. To watch Sporting Kansas City live and in person this year, go to SeatGeek.com slash SKC. 
And because you're a listener of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, use the code SKCRCST at checkout to get an exclusive discount on tickets. Again, use the code SKCRCST at checkout and receive an exclusive discount for our listeners at checkout. We'll see you at Children's Mercy Park. All right, matchup number three here today for RCST Trivia. I'm hoping for a good one, right? We've had a couple of quick matchups in the first two of the day, so I'm hoping this one can go four or five questions deep. Let's find out. We've got two returners here for RCST Trivia. So these guys are battle-tested. They are grizzled veterans, and they're joining us now in the 1-16 matchup. We've got a Final Four participant from a year ago, Liam Connolly, taking on Alex Resnick. Liam the one seed so far are three and zero. Are you feeling any pressure here to keep that alive? Uh definitely. Yeah. I mean, Alex. I think I'm. I'm not sure if uh, the other sixteen seeds have been in the in the uh, RCST before. So, uh, Alex. Alex is probably that uh, that looking like that UMBC or that uh, <laughs> Penn from a few years ago. Uh, Liam, what's uh, what's life been like for you after you know going all the way to the Final Four last year as a bit of a sleeper pick? I- I'd imagine your life has been turned upside down over the last 12 months. Yeah, you know, that that Cinderella run really uh, really changed the game. You know, recruiting was a lot easier. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> total, total turnaround for the program. As you mentioned, you've got a 16 seed here, but he was in the tournament a year ago, and Alex, you were just talking to us off air about why you probably ended up on the 16 line. Can you just sort of recap what happened a year ago that uh, ended your RCST trivia experience? Yeah. So the question was, who was our previous athletic director? And the only name I could think of was Lou Perkins, and I knew it was wrong. (laughs) So I said Lou Perkins. And I got very many texts from all of my friends and family um, that made me stay home for a year. I didn't even barely leave my house. So, yeah. (laughs) I'm ready for some redemption. There we go. That's what I like. This is all about redemption here in RCST Trivia. Well, maybe maybe the increased timer will help you out. You guys both know the deal, um, but I'll quickly go over it. Um, I'm going to ask you guys a series of questions going back and forth until one of you guys is eliminated. The questions will get progressively more difficult as you advance through the rounds. You do have a 30-second time limit this year. Your timer starts as soon as I get done asking the question. You will hear a five-second warning. You hear that ticking? That means you got five seconds left to get your answer off. Make sure you start it before you hear that. If Eric Collins yells O before you've started your answer, automatically counting it as incorrect. All right, fellas. Alex, Liam, you guys ready to do this? Yep. Do it. All right, Alex, as the 16th seed, you have the option of answering first or second. I'll go second. Okay, Liam. Will you make another run to the Final Four? It all starts right here with your first question. Liam, what KU player was named the Final Four's most outstanding player in 2008? Mario Chalmers. That is correct. Alex, your first question. What KU player was named the Final Four's most outstanding player in 1988? Danny Manning. That is correct. One for one. Here we go. Second question for you now, Liam. KU has lost five players from their team this offseason to the transfer portal. Name one of them. Uh, uh, Bryce Thompson. Bryce Thompson is correct. The most recent KU player to enter the transfer portal. Alex, at the moment... K 
Kansas has six newcomers set to join the team next season. Name one of them. Um, oh, man. I was just looking at the list earlier, too. Kid signed yesterday. Can't think of his name. Oh! Alex, uh, any of the acceptable answers would have been Zach Clements, KJ Adams, Sidney Curry, Cam Martin, Joe Yesifu, or Kyle Cuff. That is the one that uh, reclassified yesterday. So... You know, recruiting for some people, love it. Other people pay no attention to it. I don't know where you fall on that spectrum, but uh, it's, it felt like you, you knew there was one out there. You just couldn't get to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, how are you feeling? I, 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 I saw, yeah, you did. You upped it from a year ago. So, I mean, honestly, at this rate, you're five years away from a championship, which is more than most people can say, right? <laughs> That's right. Hopefully your, uh, your family and friends don't, now give you too much flack this time around because uh, I'm sure they will. Yeah, I'm sure they I'm, will too. I'm I'm good feeling the flack now though, so it's good. Liam, uh, you got the uh, the I guess the pressure out of the way, right? You're not the first one seed to uh, get upset in the first round, so that's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, feeling like a definitely definite definite relief. You know, sometimes you start the game off pretty close, uh, but yeah. Well, there we go. Guys, great matchup. Appreciate you both being a part of RCST Trivia. Alex, thanks for coming back. Liam, we'll see you in a couple weeks, man. See you. Thank you. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella Product of Kansas is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa, or call 785-749-4808. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast. All right, last matchup of the day, and you know, I'm not going to mince words here. We've had some stinkers today, right? I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't know if you've been listening. Uh, we haven't had anything go deep into the rounds of difficulty and maybe the fourth time is going to be the charm. I don't think we've made it to the third round. I don't think we've made it to the third tier of difficulty, but I don't know. I'm holding out hope. I'm trying to be glass half full guy that maybe this uh, final matchup of the day will be the 10 one. questions. 10 questions total <laughs> through three matchups. Like I, I say, we all, we appreciate everybody for being a part of our CST trivia, but I want some, I want some gauntlets, man. I want some, some marquee matchups. Maybe this is the one. 7-10 matchup in the East region. We've got Andrew Filer, the 7 seed, taking on Eli Loney, the 10 seed. Now, we've got Andrew, who was here a year ago. I believe he was bounced in the first round. Andrew, do you remember the question that eliminated you last season? It, yeah, it was uh, who won the last Big 8 player of the year and first Big 12 player of the year. And I said Rafe LaFrance instantly and realized it was Jacques Vaughn within about three seconds. So, <laughs> been hanging on to that for a year. Uh, well, maybe, I mean, some people, that's not a good thing. Some people like to just brush it off and move on. Do you feel like that's going to like uh, create a little fire in your belly this time around? Maybe 
bit of a fire. I actually, Kyle Martin's a good friend of mine, so he and I have been kind of throwing questions back and forth at each other. So I'm hoping that uh, he threw a lot of Rafe questions at me. Okay. So bring on Rafe. Okay, so you're ready for uh, some 90s-based questions. We'll see if you get let's, lucky. Let's go. <laughs> uh, you're taking on an RCST trivia newcomer, but Eli, you sound pretty familiar with the format. Have you been listening to uh, some of these other matchups? Oh, yes. I'm listening to every episode and quizzing myself as I go along. Some of the older stuff I may not be as sharp on, but we're going to see how I can do today. Uh, we are. I'm excited to have you a part of it. Andrew, excited to have you back. All right, last matchup of the day, guys. Let's go through some format here before we get going. I'm going to ask you guys a series of questions alternating back and forth until one of you guys eliminates the other. The questions will get progressively more difficult as we make our way through the rounds. If you guys both answer correctly, we move on to the next tier. If you guys both answer incorrectly, I'll ask you another set of questions from that tier. Something that's different from last year, we've increased your time limit to answer from 10 seconds to 30 seconds, which starts as soon as I get done asking the question. We will give you a five-second warning, which sounds like this. When you hear that ticking, you got five seconds left. Get your answer off before you hear Eric Collins yell, oh. If he yells, oh, before you started your answer, no good. Not counting it. All right, guys. You guys ready to roll? You ready to give us something special here? <laughs> I think so. Let's do it. All righty. Well, Eli, you are the newcomer. You are the 10 seed. So I'm going to give you the option of answering first or second. Well, you know, this is the most important answer of the entire tournament. So, so I think I'll go second today. Okay, so Andrew's first. Derek, is that the most important question of the entire tournament? I know last year was about a 50-50 split, but I think we're on a bit of a run. But I might I might save that knowledge for after. I don't want to get in anybody's head. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the exact numbers. We'll calculate that this weekend. But there was a run where second was winning a lot. Then we had a run where first was winning a lot. Today, okay. it's been 2-1. to one. Okay, so no real trends here. So you guys both should rest easy. Andrew, you're going first. And here is your first question. What's the name of the rivalry between Kansas and Kansas State? The uh, Sunflower Showdown. That is correct. Eli, your first question. What shoe brand is Kansas sponsored by? Kansas is sponsored by Adidas. That is correct. All right, second question for you, Andrew. In the 2017 Sweet 16, played in Kansas City, LeGerald Vick performed a 360 dunk in Kansas's 98-66 win against this Big Ten opponent. I'm going to say Purdue. That is correct. Took his time. Got the answer right. Didn't rush. That's the way you get it done. All right. Eli, back to you. In 2016, Kansas beat this team in the Sweet 16, which featured Diamond Stone and Mellow Trimble. They won that game 79-63. to Who did they beat? They beat Maryland. That is correct. Okay, two for two. We have already set a new high for the day of most correct answers in a matchup. Let's not stop it. there. Congratulations to both of you guys. Both Way winners. To go, Andrew. Both winners in our book, but actually 
we're going to need one of you guys to be the true winner here. Okay, Andrew, going back to you now. In their first game of the 2002 season, where they would act, end up going to the Final Four, Kansas was upset by this Mac school in the Maui Invitational. I'm going to say Ball State. That is correct. Eli, back to you now for your third question. In December of 2005, Kansas was upended at home by Nick Fizikas and this mid-major school. In December, you said? December 2005. Oh, was that St. Joseph's? It was not St. Joseph's. The correct answer was Nevada. Nick Fazekas and Nevada. I believe that was the game uh, infamously where Joe Dooley almost <laughs> fought Nick Fazekas in, uh, in the handshake line, which I know sticks with a lot of people's brains, but Andrew is moving on to the second round after answering three straight questions correctly. Now, Andrew, on both of your last two questions, not to say that you were on the ropes, but you certainly took your time getting to the right answer. Were those ones you had to think about a bit, or were you just trying to uh, to take your time before the, you said something? I, I, was, I was taking my – well, one, I wanted to take my time. I think I, I knew Ball State pretty quick, but I for some reason I started second-guessing myself, and then I – yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think last year I rushed it when I missed my question. So now I'm breathing a little better. All right. <laughs> well, you got the monkey off your back. You get your first RCST trivia win. Do you think that uh, removes some pressure a little bit as you get ready for the second round? Uh, I don't know. I hope I hope so. We'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. <laughs> Eli, uh, you're a fierce competitor in your RCST trivia debut. You told us early that, you know, the farther we go back, maybe the more you may get tripped up. Um, 2005, when I said Nevada, did that ring a bell at all, or was that one you just weren't going to get? Uh, well, I've been trying to look back through the years and see the schedules and whatnot, and so I'm pretty sure they played St. Joe's in that time area somewhere and lost, because I was trying to remember the losses, but Nevada didn't ring a bell at all. You know, the guy that just beat you was in a similar situation you're in right now. Last year made his RCST trivia debut, got knocked out in the first round, came back the next season, got a win. Are you hoping to follow a similar path? Are you going to use this loss to fuel you through the offseason and come back next year? Oh, 100%. We're pulling up Virginia next year. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, guys, congratulations to you, Andrew. Eli, thank you so much. Great matchup to finish the week off. Appreciate both you guys. Thanks so much, guys.